Okay, so um, we began we began last week. We did the Baruch Sha'amar and Mizmer Lasoda. Um, we mentioned that this section of davening is really called the Psuke de Zimra. Literally, that means the voices, uh, I'm sorry, the Psukim, the verses of song. Song and praise to Hashem. And again, I'm just reviewing, as we pointed out, that davening has segments. And from Baruch Sha'amar through the Yishtabach is one major segment of davening. Um, in fact, the Zera calls the davening a ladder. Right? Um, in Yaakov's dream, Yaakov sees the ladder. Right? Yaakov is on the Temple Mount. He's on the way from Israel to, to Haran. And he's on the Temple Mount, and he sees the vision of the Pasuk says, Vahine Sulam Musav Artsa, that there's a ladder standing on the ground, that the head of the ladder is reaching the heavens. So the Zaira says, Sulam Dotsloisa, the ladder, that's Davin. Because Davin is really a ladder. We're down here, and Hashem is Hashem, and we're reaching upward towards Hashem through Davin. And it says that a ladder has rungs, right? Every ladder has rungs. The, the ladder of davening is four basic rungs. It's four basic steps to that sulam, to the, to the ladder of davening. And those steps are until Baruch Sha'amar was one step. Baruch Sha'amar through Yishtabach, which is the entire Psuke de Zimra, is the second step. Kriyas Shema, together with its blessings, is the third step. And Shmona Esrei, is the highest step of davening. Afterward, it's the end of davening, but the four steps ascending the ladder to Shmanesrei. So this step that we are that we have begun is called Psuke de Zimra, the second step, and that is primarily about praises, praising Hashem. And as I said, there's the bracha preceding it, that's the Baruch Sha'amar. There's the bracha concluding it, that's the Yishtabach, and then there's the middle, which is all of the different praises that the Chachamim were instituted that we say between Baruch Sha'amar and Yishtabach. Um, perhaps, I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, let's say quickly, there's the obvious question of why does Hashem need our praises? Obvious question. With that, we're going to dive into Hashem, and we start um, with a section devoted to praising Hashem and seeing His greatness and His glory and so on and so forth. Um, obviously, Hashem doesn't need our praises. So why do, why do we spend so much time praising Hashem? Um, in fact, we're told that whenever we ask of Hashem for a request, Davening is a lot about asking of Hashem. We're asking Hashem to bench us and give us what we need. We preface our requests with praise. Where, where do we learn that from? The first we praise Hashem, then we ask of Him. So we learn that from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu um, davens. Now, throughout the Torah, Moshe davens many times. But there is one Torah portion that the name of the Torah portion means to daven. Which am I talking about? Ve'eschanan, excellent. Ve'eschanan. The word ve'eschanan means to to beg, to uh, to pray, to to ask, beseech. to beseech. Right? That's ve'eschanan. So Moshe says ve'eschanan el Hashem ba'isahi. At that time, I davened Hashem. And what did I? What was Moshe asking for at that point? To go into Eretz Yisrael. But he starts off by saying. First, he praises Hashem. Ata hachilosa laharos laavdacha. I'm not saying the words exactly. Yisyadcha, that you have be, you've shown me your great hand and your mighty hand. Ebra, now, now I ask Hashem, let me go into the land of Israel. 
So the Gemara says, we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu. That first we praise Hashem. We talk about the greatness of Hashem. And only then do we come to ask our requests of Him. And that's the form of davening. First we have the Psuke de Zimra, which are all about praises of Hashem. And later in Shemon Esri is where we're going to ask Hashem our bakashes, our for our requests, and our needs or our desires and so on. But why? Why is the praising so important? And again, Hashem does, you know, when it comes to a human being, you know, you flatter someone and then you ask them for something because you want to make them feel good. And then you ask, you know. The child comes home from school. First he says, you know, you're wonderful, I love you. Now, by the way, <laughs> but with Hashem, what's... what's <laughs> but with Hashem, what's the idea of praising Hashem? So there's an interesting Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Va'ata Kodesh Yoshev Tehilais Yisrael. Va'ata, you Kodesh, you Hashem are holy. Yoshev, you literally sit Tehilos with the praises of the Jewish people. And there's a lot of different ways of understanding that Pasuk. You are holy and you sit through the praises of the Jewish people. In fact, there's a beautiful story of the Baal Shem Tov. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment on that Pasuk. But the way Hasidus explains it is the following. We're saying, Va'ata you, Kaddish, Hashem is holy. We discussed in the past, the word holy also means to be removed, separate, aloof. So really Hashem is so holy and so great. He's, he's way beyond us and our world and all of our needs. All of our needs are like klenikaitin. How do you say clean cut? And they're like, uh, they're, they're, they're small. Inconsequential. Right? Inconsequential. Inconsequential. They're, they're, you know, Narishka. Our Hebrews are love big deal. Whatever. Love big deal. They say that? I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Hashem is really so removed and so far separate from that, that when we're coming to talk to him, give me this, give me that, it's like, it's like talking to someone who's so much far, so, so much greater and so much far out that he doesn't relate to our petty needs or desires necessarily. But when we're able to be meshabeach, when, when we praise Hashem, which really means that we're telling Hashem that we do our best to recognize Him in our life. Praising is to show that we recognize Him and we accept Him and we see His greatness. That causes Hashem, so to speak, to channel downward to go away from his own level of loftiness and holiness and come down and see what I need in my little world and my little requests. So that's how it explains. And here's the Pasuk. Va'ata Kaddosh. You Hashem is Kaddosh. You're removed. You're higher. Yoshev, but you sit down. Sitting down is always when someone comes closer, when someone comes lower, lowers themselves, to Hilos Yisrael through the praises of Kal Yisrael, through the praises that we say, and we talk about, again, how we do recognize Hashem and we try to see Hashem in our life and we try to see the beauty of Hashem and the greatness of Hashem. That, in turn, causes Hashem to, so to speak, re go away from His exalted state and to come down to hear what we have to say and to connect to us and therefore to respond to our feelings as well. That's the general idea of praises. Um, interesting, we're just on the heels of Lagba Omer that I'm sure everyone celebrated in different ways. Um, but Lagba Omer was about Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, right? The, there's two primary tzaddikim in the story of Lagba Omer. There's Rabbi Akiva, um, who he had the 24,000 disciples, and who died and stopped dying, etc. And then there is Rabbi Akiva's disciple, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Not everyone realizes that one was the disciple of the other. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was a disciple. He got his smicha from Rabbi Akiva. Um, but Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and we had classes about this in the past, 
was such a tremendous tzaddik that he even eclipsed all of the other great tzaddikim of his time. And we're talking about a time of the Tanoim, the sages of the Mishnah, tremendous tzaddikim one by one. And yet Reb Shimon Bar Yechai like, towers above all the tzaddikim. Um, even till today, it's his passing that's celebrated like the passing of no other Jew, period. Period. There's no, there's no other year that his yard site is celebrated and the amount of people go to his kever like Reb Shimon Bar Yochai in the entire world from all of history. That's just a fact, a historical fact. In, in Israel and Miron, you have uh, half a million people, they say, come to celebrate and all from all walks of Yiddishkeit. You know, my daughter Mushki called me um, yesterday. Actually, it was Mitzvah Shabbos here. It was six o'clock in the morning there and she was just coming back from Miron. She was there all night. Um, she was heading back to Tzfas. How they get, I saw on the computer that the transportation was just... Every year the transportation breaks down there. It's just impossible. You can't transport 500,000 people to one small place and do it successfully. I mean, they keep on trying different ways, but there's no way around it. It's a, it's a feat that's not really logistically possible. But anyhow, Rav Shemach was this tremendous, tremendous tzaddik. And we find something interesting that the other tzaddikim would talk about his praises and his greatness. And they would call him Shabbos and call him Kadosh. And they, we don't find by any other Sadiq that the Gemara and the Zohar is written about that it tells us the praises that the other Sadiqim praised him with. And there's, there's Hasidic discourses explaining this. Why were they praising him? What's, what's the idea of praising a person? What's the idea? And the idea is something similar to this that he was so far removed and so exalted from everyone else. So, in order to get him to channel downward, there had to be that level of recognition. And that's what the praises were. And that's what it says about Rishim Bar Yichai. And how much more so when it comes to Hashem, that's what we're doing. When we're, it's almost like catching Hashem's attention. That, you know, we're down here and, and we're, you know, very far down and we have our needs and we praise Hashem in order that Hashem should focus His attention on us and listen to our feelings. Um, I'll just conclude that idea. I mentioned the story of the Baal Shem Tov. So we know that the Baal Shem Tov, before he became known as a great tzaddik, was what's called a tzaddik nister. He was a hidden tzaddik, and he would travel from place to place, and he would go, uh, how do you say, incognito. Nobody knew who he was, and he would, he would tell stories. And one of the things that he had a special hana in doing is to ask people, how is your parnasa, and how is this, just to hear them say, Baruch Hashem. The Hashem was very into getting people to thank Hashem for everything. And he would especially ask them, how's this and how's that? First, they Baruch Hashem, different expressions of things. Because the Bashanta knew the power of praising Hashem. So the story is that one time there was a parush, a parush where there was people in that generation, especially, who would just seclude themselves from everything in this world. And they would sit in the Bishmedrish and they would learn the entire day. And they would just they would sleep for an hour or two on a cot there on something, and people would bring them some bread and water. That's how they subsisted. They were totally removed from anything. They just learned and davened, and that was a very special type of people. So the Baal Shem Tev, there was a parish in a certain city. He wouldn't talk to anyone and do anything. He would just learn. The Baal Shem Tev came to him, and Baal Shem Tev again looked like a simpleton. And he says, excuse me, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And this guy, he doesn't talk to anyone. He's to learn. So he, he ignored him. And the Baal Shem Tev was pestering him. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How's, how's breakfast today? And, and finally, the guy says, you know, get lost. Why are you bothering him? So then Hashem says, why are you taking away the parnasa of Hashem? And now he's flustered. Because he thought Hashem was like a farmer or something who happened to... He says, parnasa? What are you talking about? So he says, 
just like we subsist on Hashem's gifts to us, Hashem subsists on our gifts to Him. And what's our gifts? Our praises. Our Baruch Hashem. And He says that's what the Pasuk means. That Pasuk I mentioned earlier, Va'ata Kodesh Yoishev Yisrael, that you, the Holy Hashem, you sit. The Bashamta read it differently. He says that He, he subsists. He lives, Kaviyachol, off the Tehillahs, off the praises of Kali Yisrael. And therefore the Bashamta said, person asks you, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem. That was, that was a very big um, um, emphasis of the Baal Shem Tov. And we know in our generation, it's a very big thing also, always to recognize about everything, Baruch Hashem, for, what, for whatever I have. And there's so much to be thankful for. Because Hashem wants that we should recognize Him. Of course that's for us. <clears throat> of course, everything is, everything is for us ultimately. But Hashem wants that we throughout our day should constantly recognize where this comes from, where that comes from, because then, then we're much more connected to Him. Then, then we're not only living a very physical and materialistic life, everything becomes part of Kedusha. So by constantly recognizing, by seeing Him in everything that we have, that's how our connection is a strong connection. Can I also tell you, um, my father always told us um, when we were little that um, the Baal Shem Tov would walk for miles to say good Shabbos to you. Because one time, I'll never forget this, and I was a little girl, and I was walking to shul with my father and my sister. I must have been like eight, maybe. And right across from the shul, there was a bus stop. And a bus and a bus came, and an elderly man got, got off. And my father said to him, good Shabbos. And the, the man answered back, good Shabbos. And I said to my father, I said, why did you say good Shabbos? I remember as a little kid, why did you say good Shabbos to him? He was getting off the bus, and, and how did you even know that he was a Yid? And he said, I, I had a feeling that he was a Yid. And he said, he said to me, the Baal Shem Tov would walk for miles to say good Shabbos to a Yid. So if I see a Yid, even if he's getting off of the bus, I say good Shabbos to him. And it was like a lesson to me for life. That whenever you, did you ever hear that about no. walking for miles no. to say good Shabbos? No. So it's like... I, I have to say good Shabbos first to everybody on the street when I walk. I'm like, <laughs> since that since that incident, I don't know. Check it check it up. Right can, I ask a, can I ask a question about the praises thing? Yes. The Malachim, isn't that what they do? They say praises to about Kosh Baruch all the time. Right, right. But Malachim are spiritual entities. Right. So their praises are all spiritual and about spiritual things. Right. The the uniqueness of our praises is that we're praising Hashem for the physical for the materialistic, for my food, for my drink, for my health, and so on, which connects Hashem to the physical world as well. Because it's all about bringing Hashem downward into this world, into our own realities. So Malachim are very holy you know, creations, without a doubt, but they don't bring Hashem into this physical world because they're not physical. So their praises are all in the spiritual realms. The truth is, even in that story I just said, one could ask, that Parosh who was sitting and learning Torah and doing mitzvah and, and davening all day was also very connected to Hashem. And yet the Baal Shem Tov wanted him to bring it down to the physical world. Mm-hmm. That, it should, that I should thank Hashem for my food and thank Hashem for drinking and thank Hashem for, for living. And that Baruch Hashem, which uniquely connects Hashem with the physical, which is what it's all about. Which really, this is a good springboard into the next part of the Psukid Zimra. So let's talk a little bit about the build of Psukid Zimra. Um, what's the epicenter of Psukid Zimra? Really, the very center is Ashrei. Ashrei, which is, we're not holding there yet, but on page 33, if, are we all in the same city? Maybe. But here in my city is page 33. The Ashrei is the centerpiece of Psuche de Zimra. 
And then as an addendum or addition to Ashri, we say the following five chapters, which are the last five chapters of Tehillim. Right? Um, Ashrei is chapter 145 in Tehillim. And then you have 146, 7, 8, 9, and 50. So really what we're saying is the six last chapters of Tehillim. Ashrei, and then the subsequent five. That's the center. Afterward, we'll, we'll talk about we have the Shira and whatever. And beforehand, there's the Yehi Chavod, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Um, but here's a halachic tidbit that you may know or you may not. And that is, let's say I'm in a big rush and I don't have time to, for davening, to daven everything today, so, so and I'm, I'm whittling it down. How would I whittle down Psuke de Zimra? What would I say? Exactly, exactly. And that's very important to know, as I see that you do. Which is Baruch Sha'amar and, and Yishtabach, the bracha before and the bracha at the end. And Ashrei, which is the center of Sukhi de Zimra. That's how we were taught in school. I'm sorry? That's how we were taught in school. Good. Right? I mean, you should if you don't have time, in other we words. Again, the, the minimum is not as Yashir. The minimum is Ashrei Barash Amar Yishtabach. That's the minimum from Sukhi de Zimra. What's even more interesting is Ashrei is the center of Sukhi de Zimra. What's the center of Ashrei? Within Ashrei, there's one verse that that verse is like the essence of Sukhi de Zimra, and that is, as you're saying correctly, Poseach es yadecha umasbiya lachol chayrotson which is towards the end of page 33, um, where we say Hashem um, opens His hands and he, he gives us, uh, He nourishes every living creature according to His will. No, 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 it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. No, no, we say the entire, we say the entire Ashrei, but the most significant Pasuk in Ashrei is Poseach HaTzedah. Right? Um, in fact, it says that even though in general, um, I'm sure no one here around the table knows about this, but there are people out there that sometimes their mind wander during davening, right? Present company excluded. But there, I've heard that there's something like that in other countries maybe. But it says one pasuk that is very important to try to yes to, to not lose focus is that one pasuk, It's like a, a special, very important pasuk in davening. I'm not going to elaborate on that now. We're not holding there yet. But in the general um, scheme of Psuki de Zimra, it's Poseach Hazidacha and Ashrei surrounded by those two brachas. Yeah, Bracha Wolf once told me that she has her class. I think she does fourth grade in Cheder. That when they say Poseach, she yeah. has them stitch, oh, put out their no, hand. My daughter in high school is. So and, yeah. and I like that. It really, it really like uh, reels you in. You up if you yeah, no, no, that you know that if you're, that it, it really helps you to, it's true. to say it. That's true. That's true. Oh, wow. it definitely is. I just, I now, what's unique about all of the praises that we're going to praise Hashem in Psuki de Zimra is that we're praising, and this is a general concept, and that is we're praising Hashem from the world and the worldly things. We're talking about the sun and the moon and the stars and the trees and the animals um, and what He's given us Primarily, Psuke de Zimra is finding Hashem in the world around us, in our daily lives, and praising Hashem through the world. In other words, there is, perhaps, and there are other ways and forms of praises to Hashem. One can study 
and learn deep concepts of Kabbalah and Hasidus and know about the levels and, and the angels and so on. And that's also a very special part of relating and connecting to Hashem. But the starter, the, start, the first thing where we are meant to be able to experience and recognize Hashem is in the physical world where we live, in the world around us. And interestingly, that's alluded to right in these first words, Yehi chvod Hashem la'olam. Um, right, we did the Baruch Sha'amar, then we did Mizmar Soda last week, and then the next paragraph starts, Yehi Chavod. Right? Now, this paragraph, Yehi Chavod, is a very interesting paragraph. It's different than all the other paragraphs we say. Um, because it is a collection of seemingly total random psukim. The entire Yehi Chavod, you see Yehi Chavod, it's like a full page, right? From Yehi Chavod, until Ashrei. It's just Pasuk after Pasuk after Pasuk. No two Psukim are in order from anyone. In fact, if you, if you have your sitter, right? So look, there's, at the beginning of each verse, there's a tiny letter. Do you see that? Like on the top of the word Yehi, do you see a little base? Mm-hmm. So on the bottom it says, where is this verse from? Is Sham, which means in Tehillim, Kuf Dalet Lamed Aleph, chapter 104, verse 31. The on the, in the small letters on the bottom of the page, right? Yeah. Then go to the second verse, you know, after the colon. Yehi Shem Hashem there's a little gimel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What does the gimel say on the bottom? Sham, vir kuf yud gimel beis, chapter 113, verse 2. You go to the next. Each verse of Yehi Chavod has a different source. You know, the next one, the little beis. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the, the Aleph on Mimizrach is Tehillim 113. Um, the next one, Ram, is Tehillim Dalit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's Kofiud Gimel Dalit. Another one from 113. The next one is from 135. The next one is from, 10, from 103. They're all from Tehillim. Most, not, no, not all. You get Tehei, it's from Divrei Hayomim. Vav is from Chumash Shemos. Right? Um, Zion and Ches are again Tehillim. Tess is Mishle. So what you have here is a totally seemingly random psukim. And it's very unique because the rest of davening is not that way. As I said, Ashrei is chapter 145. The next subsequent are all straight chapters. The Shira is psukim, is straight. Davening is typically whole sections. Here, the opener paragraph to psukim to Zimra is, again, this compilation. You say compilation or compilation? Compilation. Okay, so you have this, this compilation of Sukim. Who put together Yehi Chavod? The Anshei Knesset Sagdola. The, this is the same group that wrote the Shemona Esra. Right? The same group, the, um, the men of the Great Assembly. We've, we've mentioned them a number of times. They were headed by Ezra and Nehemiah. They were the ones who built the second Beis HaMikdash. And they wrote, or, or more than wrote, they put together Almost all the tefillahs that we have. And they put together this Yehi Chivod. Why they chose this verse and that verse seemingly randomly is because they were tzaddikim and they were neviim and they were able to look at the entire Torah and now know how to put together this tefillah. Interestingly, what was the big number they worked with when it came to davening? We, we, we've seen it more than once. What, what's the, when you think about davening, what number comes to mind? 18. Shmona Esra is 18. Yehi Chavod is 18 verses. It follows their pattern. This was their, their signature, was the 18. We talk about 18 represents Chai. 
Um, we talked about the 18 is the 18 vertebrae of the spine, and tefillah is the spine. These are things we discussed. But Yichavot is one of those places where we see that again. And they totally grafted this tefillah. They took psukim from everywhere and put it together. And it's, it's, very, it's a very beautiful tefillah. It talks about the glory of Hashem. It talks about uh, praising Hashem. It talks about the greatness of Hashem, the simcha of Hashem. A lot of beautiful tefillahs. We're not going to go through every pasuk, but they put that together before Ashram. Okay, that's the first, not first, because there was Mizma Lasoda was the first paragraph. This is the second paragraph of Suki de Zimra. So, what do they begin with? So, I, I started saying, and I sort of cut myself off. And they started with Yihich Vod Hashem Laolam. What does the word Laolam mean? Forever. So, good. Laolam has a double meaning. One is forever, and the other is the in the world. And they're both true. They're saying, on the one hand, that Hashem's praises are forever, and will always praise Hashem constantly. And we're going to praise Him from within this world. We're going to be able to, we're going to teach ourselves to be able to see Hashem in this world, which is really um, perhaps one of the most important things that we can do. You know, sometimes Hashem reveals Himself in ways that are more exciting, and that's, that's called miracles. And we're like, oh, why can't we have miracles? And miracles are wonderful. Now, miracles are wonderful. And they're an expression of Hashem's uh, li- um, lack of any form of limitation. But there's something missing or lacking in miracles, which is a miracle means that the regular natural things aren't working out, so Hashem has to express Himself in some miraculous, supernatural way. The ultimate goal is not that Hashem should have to break nature in order to introduce Himself to us. To us but that we should be able to see Hashem in the natural, everyday norm of this world. That's a much greater sense of recognition of Hashem. Am I being clear? It takes more amuna. You know, it takes more amuna, but it, then it's more real. Because miracles means Hashem knocks on the door and says, I'm here, right? I'm going to split the sea for you, right? I'm, I'm going to force myself into your awareness. That's what a miracle is. I'm, Hashem is sort, sort of forcing himself into this world. But then there is nature. And then the sun comes up and the sun comes down and, and there's trees and there's birds and there's the sky and there's children and, and, and everything is sort of happening. The ultimate recognition and relationship that one can have in Hashem is when I see Hashem in every aspect of nature. That's when Hashem is fully revealed to us. When even in nature, we see it all as an expression of Him. And that's all the idea of Olam. That the kvod of Hashem, the glory of Hashem, is not when it's supernatural, when it's miraculous, when something crazy happens, but even in the in the day to day, even in the worldly, we're able to recognize Hashem. But you know, brothers, Silverberg, if someone is sick, then they want the miracle. They don't because they, in nature, like the, the doctor will say, no, there's no way that you're going to survive. And then if whatever, that's to me a big, a huge thing with the health. Or like, let's say someone has no parnasa, or they don't have children. They they want the miracle. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I, mean, we're not, um, I didn't mean to diminish the need of miracles. Right. But the point, though, is that one's recognition of Hashem shouldn't be based on miracles. Now, one should be able to recognize Hashem in just a regular healthy day. 
I don't need a miracle to, for, wow, Hashem really exists, to force me into belief. Of course, there are times when we daven for a miracle and Hashem gives miracles. And there's, as you say, there are times that there's no other way for, for a certain thing, to, what we need to, to happen, to be fulfilled. But the point we're saying over here is that our, if, our, if one's recognition of Hashem is miracle-based, then they're very lacking in their relationship to Hashem. Because one should be able to have their relationship, one, one shouldn't need a miracle to see Hashem. One should be able to see Hashem in everything. The other comment I would make is that when we daven, when there's such a situation, and in one way or another there's that situation for anybody else, that it's within and beyond nature. So if Hashem can send it down within nature, then He sends it down within nature. He sends it, he sends it down into a doctor who thought there was no way, and that doctor or second doctor or third doctor, he, he asked, well, how did he find the way? Because Hashem sent it down. And then also you daven for a miracle, but it can be it can be both. <laughs> so you're all you're always grateful for a miracle, right. whether it's in or beyond. It's always a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have to wait a long time for something that you're davening for, something that even comes through nature really is to you a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. I had. I don't, I don't remember if I shared this with you. I, one day I was, I was in, um, I came to yeshiva in the morning, and there was the um, the guy who runs the kitchen. He's not Jewish, Mexican guy. He said, Rabbi, I have a question for you. He says, a couple months ago. So, yeah, what's the question? He says, why is it that, you know, you read in the books, the prophets, that God talked to people? And I talked to them. And nowadays he doesn't talk to anyone. And you guys are praying all the time there and whatever, and does, you know, does he talk to you? He doesn't talk to you. That's a good question. It's a fair question. Mm-hmm. It's a very fair question. Why, why, what happened? You know, what was wrong with the old system? Um, and here's again, this is a nice guy, Mexican guy, works in the kitchen of Yeshiva, and he asked the question, what's the story? What? He says, why, why isn't God talking to you? Why did he talk to us? Why not? And it's a, a similar question. He didn't ask it. The similar question is that it was seen that once upon a time there was, met, there was, there was many more revealed miracles. You, know, you read in the time of the Chumash and the Naveen, you had revealed miracles in a more consistent type of a, a fashion. And nowadays, there's less revealed miracles. Yes and no. Yeah. Well, because, that's... for example, they say the times of Mashiach, the blind will see and the lame will, will, will walk. Science has brought that to fruition. We're all true, wearing glasses, true, they have true, laces, true. they get the knees replaced. Well it's said. happening. Well right? said, well said, well said. But I'm talking about miracles that no one can call it something else. You know, these scientific miracles are miracles, and again, every day when the sun rises is a miracle. It's all miracles. But I'm talking about the level of revealed miracles, like the sea splitting, or like Eliyahu the different things that were done, that were just like, where it was very evident that Hashem, you know, walked in and did something. So it's, it's a similar question that it seems that at some point in time, not it seems, that according to what we learn in Torah, at some point in time Hashem spoke to people, there was Nevi'im, there was Nevuah, and now there isn't. There was Nisim every day, and now there isn't. What's the reason for that change? What did you tell him? So what I told him is the following. <laughs> what I told him is that, you know, you have, I'll give him an example. So you're bringing up a child. So the parents every day telling the child, do this and don't do that and do this and try to educate the child. Ultimately, what's the goal? That the parents shouldn't have to be telling the child every day what to do. Ultimately, the child should grow up become mature, and know what to do on their own based on what they were told a long time ago. 
But if a, child, if a parent is still living with the child in the house and the child is 35 and saying, you know, tuck yourself in and there it is and clean up and do this, that wasn't a successful upbringing. Didn't work out. Right? So the goal is that the parent shouldn't always be talking to the child and telling him what to do. The goal is that the child should grow up and now be able to make decisions based on what they were taught. So when we were an infantile people, when we were young as a people, when the world was young, Hashem had to tell us over, you know, what the plan is, what we should be doing and how we should be doing, and that's what the Nevi'im were. The Nevi'im were messengers of Hashem telling the world what to do. But for there always to be Nevi'im is for us to always live in our, parent, in, our, in, our, in our parents' bedroom, like waiting for us to be told what to do and what to do. And that's not the point. And the same is with miracles. Miracles are godly manifestations and great manifestations, revelations of Hashem. But the ultimate goal is, as we said, Yichvod Hashem Olam, is that we shouldn't need Hashem to miraculously introduce Himself to the world, but that we should experience and recognize, just as you just said, that when the doctors come up with a new cure for something, it's a miracle. We shouldn't need that Hashem should split the seed to see Hashem. We should see it in the doctor's office. We should see it in the, in the, in the sunrise. We should see it in our children. We should see it in the animals on the street. We should be able to see Hashem in everything. So it's much greater to find Hashem without the need of miracles to convince us of Hashem's existence. It's much greater to behave without the need of a Navi standing and telling us what to do. So the lack of divine revelation is because more is expected of us in our ability to find the divine in the world around us. So again, when we were younger, when we were fresher, so Hashem had to introduce Himself to us. And that was the miraculous era. And that was the era of the Nevi'im, of the prophets. But after we have all that to lean on, to read, to learn about, now we're expected to be able to find it on our own based on what we were taught and shown then. So that's, that's what I answered him. Without, I mean, and, and that's really the idea of Sukkot Zimra. We're finding Hashem in the world. In the regular physical things around us, we're saying, no, we know it's Hashem. We're not... We're not, it's this, it's that, it's the other. We know it's Hashem, and, we, and that's what we say over and over through the very um, diff- many different praises that we say in Sukkot Zimra. We talk about Hashem in His creation. Okay? Then we say, in that same first passage, Yismach Hashem b'ma'asov. That Hashem has simcha from His creation. And this is the same theme. Hashem's creation, which is nature, is good. Hashem loves it. If... We find him in it. In other words, the same nature can be concealing or it could be revealing. It's up to us. Right? One person could look at it and say, that's not godly, that's just nature. Another person looks at it and says, and what's nature? Right? Anyone knows, what is the word, what's the word in Hebrew for nature? Teva. What does the word teva mean aside from nature? What's another meaning of the word in Hebrew? The ark. No, that's that's what the tough. That, no, you're right, but that's what the tough, and this is a test. But there's something else. There's something else which is to be sunk. Tubu bayam. It says by in the Kriyas Yamsuf. It says the the Mitzrayim drowned in the sea. Litvoa to drown is teva. It's the same test vez ayin. So nature means drown. Why? Because when you drown, you're covered over. No, because the godliness is covered over. In other words, there's the ability for someone to say, that's not godly, that's just nature. And what's nature? 
So it's godliness gift wrapped. It's, it's wrapped. It's covered. So it's up to me. Am I going to look at it and look right through it and see it for what it is as an expression of Hashem? Or am I going to say, oh, there's no miracles anymore. Hashem, Hashem must have gone on vacation. Right? Now, it's nat- now nature took over. So it's, it's Hashem covered over. So when we're able to see Hashem le'olam, then Yismach Hashem b'masav, then Hashem's creations, which are natural creations, is something that causes Hashem tremendous simcha. Notice that Yismach is in future tense. Not Samach, which means he was, but will. When will Hashem fully rejoice in all of his maisim? When we will fully recognize Hashem in creation. Time of Mashiach. In the time of Mashiach, that's when everyone will see right through nature and see how everything is miraculous. Then Yismach Hashem b'masav, then Hashem will have the truest simcha from all of his mice and from all of his creations because they will stop being, excuse me, they will stop being something that covers him over, but rather something that lets everyone see Hashem through them. Are we the masav? Yeah, no, the world, the world, everything in this world is the Maisa. So us too, the dogs, the fish, the plants, everything that Hashem made, everything. everything that Hashem made is Maisa Hashem. So Yisma Hashem and Masav, so Hashem created this creation. magnificent creation, and He created it in a very with a very natural order, so that He hid Himself in all of it. And when we're able to find him through them and, and see him in all of his creations, then he has the ultimate simcha in his creations. Okay? Let's, um, let's we're not going to go to every Pasuk. Let's look at, uh, let's go to the third Pasuk here, or the fourth. Ram al Kalgoyim Hashem. I'm two lines from the top of page 32. Right? It's the Pasuk, it says there are little bays. This is in Tehillim, chapter 113, verse 4. Ram al-Kol Goyim. Hashem is Ram. What does the word Ram mean? High, exalted. Al-Hashamayim Kivodo. His glory is on the heavens. And Hasidus says something very beautiful here. It says that really what you have here is a... Um, Really what you have here is the, 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 the expression of the opinion or the feeling of the nations of the world. The nations of the world are called the Goyim, right? The nations. They say, Hashem is exalted. Hashem is very high up. He's very spiritual. You know where He really resides? In the heavens. Ala Shamayim Kivodo. In the spiritual things, that's where Hashem really is. The physical, that's, that's not really Him. Um, in other places it's written that the Goyim say, Ozav Hashem es ha'aretz. Hashem is, you know, Hashem is very holy and very great. And He left over the running of this world to ministers or to angels. He doesn't deal with such small things. We said before, Kleinikite, Narishkite. So that's, so really this verse is almost like a, it's like a statement. Ramal kol goyim, the goyim, the nation say Hashem is exalted, he's removed. Al hashamayim kevodo, really his kavod, his glory is in the heavens. We don't accept that. What do we say in the next pasuk? No, Hashem shimcha Olam. Hashem, your name is down in this world. 
Hashem zichr chaladur vador. In every generation, in every particle of time, Hashem is there. We remember, we find Hashem in everything. We don't agree with the goyim's quote unquote statement that Hashem is exalted and removed and in the heavens. Now, I'll take that one step further. I told you that this is verse one thirteen, chapter one thirteen, verse four in Tehillim. That's in Hallel. Right after that verse in this in, in the Hallel, it says, I'm sorry, where's my Hallel over here? Um, in the first chapter of Hallel. So again, this verse, Ramal Kol Goyim Hashem, Alashamayim Kivodo. The Goyim say Hashem is exalted, it's in the heavens. We say, no, Mik Hashem Elokeinu. Hamagbihi Lashavas, who is so high, Hamashpili Lirosa and comes down Bashamayim Uvaaretz in heaven and earth. To us, Hashem is everywhere. We don't believe Hashem is more in the spiritual realms and less in the physical, more with the angels, less with the humans. Hashem is part of everything in this Gashmistic world. So that's, so to say, the um, the conflict or the controversy, the argument between the Goyim and the Yidin about this. And that's what we're referring to in these two verses over here. Again, Ramal Kol Goyim, Hashem al-Hashem that's the non-Jewish approach. Hashem Shimcha La'olam, Hashem Zichar Chaladar Vader is the Torah approach that Hashem is everywhere equally in Shemaim, in Aretz, in, he- in the spiritual and the physical. Hashem is in every aspect of our life. Let's do one more, one more idea here. Hashem b'shamayim heichin kisoi. This is the next verse. Um, the Dala says it's in chapter 103 of Tehillim. Hashem um, set his throne in heavens. Umalchuso, but his malchus bakol mashallah. Over everything he rules. What's the first part again? Hashem b'shamayim heichin kisoi. Hashem in the heavens prepared his throne, uh-huh. but his malchus, his kingdom, bakol in everything mashallah rules. So we have here a concept of malchus and mashallah. That's going to be reoccurring in davening. We talk about Hashem being a melech and Hashem being a moshel. What's the difference between a melech and a moshel? Um, both are, melech is a king and moshel is a ruler. So, they're both king. They're both rulers. Um, One's an elected official. One is a. <laughs> could Sorry. be well, depending depending on the country, depending on the place. Oh. If you look, if you look at, at, at fast forward to Ashrei, in the middle of Ashrei we have Malchuscha, Malchus Kololamim, Umemshaltecha Bechaldor Vador. Again, Malchus and Memshala, kingdom and ruling. And Hashem is called a Melech, Hashem is called a Moshe. What's the difference? The difference is, Pasik says, Umalchusay biratsoin kiblu alehem. Malchus comes from Ratsin. When we want to have a king, he's our king. When we don't want, he's our ruler. You understand? A ruler means. By I'm not force. really asking. Yeah, a ruler, a ruler is a ruler by force. A like it or don't like it, I'm a dictator. I, I, I run the show here, whether you like it or not. Like a, a, 
Something could be. Everything could be. But but a ratzon, a, a, a melech, is when I was mekabel, when I accepted this as my king, he's my king. For example, if a person has a thousand sheep, a thousand oxen, is he called their king? The shepherd? Well, if they're a shepherd, a shepherd could be just, if they're mine. So I'm, I'm the ruler over all my thousand or ten thousand oxen. So I rule them, they go where I want, but I'm not their king. Why am I not their king? Because they didn't accept me as their king. Because they're oxen. Right? Exactly. So, so in other words, so, so, so the... Yes, that's correct. So, so the, the, ultimate, the ultimate relationship with Hashem is when Hashem is our melech. Depends if the Russians throw the election. So the... Um, the, the um, the, the ultimate, the greater way of relating to Hashem is as our Melech. And we're Mechabah, we accept Him as our Melech. And therefore, as I said, the Pasuk, Malchusek B'Ratzayim, we accept Hashem through Ratzayim with will. But Hashem says, if you don't accept me with will, Sukhazund, I'm going to rule the world anyway. It's like Hashem is a Melech or a Moshel. It's up to us. So therefore, here's the beauty of the words. Malchuso bakol mashallah. Hashem is the ruler over everything. Everything means holy places, not holy places, yidin, goyim, tzaddikim, rishaim. He rules. Because whether you accept him or not, Hashem is the ruler over every detail of creation. But ultimately, what we're saying in the next psukim is we say that we're looking for Hashem to be our melech. Right, the heavens should be should rejoice and the and the earth should rejoice. All the nations will say Hashem Malach, Hashem is the king, Hashem Melach, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch. He is the king, was the king, will be a king. Hashem Melach Olonvaid will be a king forever. Here's a beautiful idea. When Hashem will be fully Melach, then there won't be any more anyone who doesn't accept him. Right? Now there is those who accept and those who don't. So therefore Hashem is a Moshel. Today he's not only a Melech, he's also a Moshel because there are some who do and some who don't. So there, there's the Kedusha in this world and there's the Klippa, the impurities in this world and people who act in that way, so they don't accept. So Hashem, so to speak, is reduced to being a Moshe. But there will come a time when Hashem will only be a Melech, not a Moshel anymore, because everyone will have accepted him. And everyone will know him. And at that point, there won't be a need anymore for that concept called Memshala. It will all be a concept of Melucha, of Malchus. And then, as I said, of Dugoyim Me'artse, then there won't be any more those type of nations that don't accept him. Then there will only be Malchus, and that's, that's in the coming of Mashiach. So that's some of the ideas of, of Yehichavod. Of the Yes, because at, the, the, at that point, anyone that won't accept Hashem won't be anymore. There won't be that concept. Klippas won't be anymore. The Pasuk says, I will remove the spirit of impurity from the earth. So then everything will be pure. Everything will be one. Everything, all people and all, ma- all mankind and everything will accept Hashem. So Hashem will be the ultimate Melech, not a Moshel anymore. Can I ask you one thing? So it goes both ways. That that which, is not, that which does not know Hashem will be gone and or they will be transformed. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because that, the entity of one who doesn't accept won't be. Rabbi Mayer's wife was a Jew. 
was correcting him for a good reason. We want the not good to be correct. 100%. On 100%. Hand, 100%. Listen, <laughs> right, right. What, there definitely won't any be, anymore be such an entity. Some of it will disappear. Some of it will have been transformed. But whatever will be, will be in acceptance yep. of Hashem. We'll stop with that. And next ready. week, we'll do we're Ashray Mertz We're getting ready for Shavuos. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Rabbi, I think so it's a halakhic thing. If you're in the middle of a talk in the middle of a parak? Yes.